Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran, and in this show I talk with all kinds of creative people to find out how to write better music. The theme song you heard is by today's guests, Mandy Fassett and Michael Mayorana. Mandy and Mikey are two delightful young composers who are now kind of my neighbors here in Minneapolis. It was interesting hearing how they approached composition differently. Mikey's usually more of an analytical composer, while Mandy's usually more spontaneous, drawing on her jazz improvising background. That's kind of a thing that I like about improvisation, I think. And one of the things that makes composition more challenging to get into is just when you improvise, then you know that it's just, oh, I'm just doing this right now, and that's whatever happens, that's what happens, and that's okay. (laughs) We throw out a bunch of metaphors about composing, so you can find out if you're the composer equivalent of a gardener, an architect, a sculptor, a painter, or a chef. I like when people bring up the metaphor of cooking for composition, that a lot of novice cooks and a lot of novice composers would just start with all the ingredients they have, all the spices they have, like, oh, I love I love all these ingredients, I'll put them all together, oh, I love all these spices, but together they won't work. Just a reminder that signups are open now for our Film Score Fest quest. We have 20 filmmakers and 24 composers already signed up. So if you sign up as a composer, you'll be on the waiting list until we get more filmmakers to pair you up with. Or, if you have a filmmaker friend, you can sign up together. Go to composerquest.com quest18 to get on the list. Thanks as always to my generous Patreon donors for making this podcast happen. Now, on to my talk with Mandy and Mikey. Alright. Hey. Hi there. How's it going? Hi. Hey, good. Mandy and Mikey, thanks for joining me here. Yeah, and thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, it's been fun getting to know the two of you a little bit over the past couple years. Um, yeah, tell me about how you first... What brought you to Composer Quest or initially? So it was something I just found uh, searching online just for composition podcasts. And at that point, I think I found yours and one other. And the other one, the guy who recorded it, I don't even remember the name. Uh, it would just be him talking with this really loud crackle in the background. And then he would just silence it all. And then back to him talking with a loud crackle. And it was unlistenable. <laughs> so between those two choices, this was the composition podcast uh, that I found. And then through listening to it, it's just been a really cool resource. Well, cool. And both of you have submitted um entries for quests yeah too that's been a lot of fun yeah i think was the autumn strings one the first one you guys did or i think that was the first one one mandy had done yeah Yeah, that's the one that and i I think the first film score fest was before that oh yeah where i collaborated with uh keith brafflat oh yeah on uh his video bell curve yeah that one turned out really well like as with Everything, like the MIDI version, is hard, really hard to tell if it's going to yeah. be good. And I, I think I'm I'm sure like the MIDI version didn't sound that great of that one. <laughs> and then hearing it with the orchestra is just like... Awesome. Like all these dissonant parts. Yeah. Yeah. Just work so well. Mm-hmm. 
It was a really fun video to work with, kind of difficult at first just because it was so abstract, just a plane taking off and landing. But mm -hmm. the first draft of it that I had done was more like, oh, we're taking off in an airplane, guys, it's fun. It's <laughs> more like adventure flying. But then um, thinking about it more, really meditating on uh, his film and then reading his notes about it more closely, it seemed to need something a little more serious. And Keith, I, I think if I'm remembering correctly, uh, his father had recently passed away when he made the video, and it had some of those kinds of ideas in it for him, just kind of dealing with loss. Uh, so I was trying to figure out what to do with that, and I had been listening to some Arvo Parrot in one piece in particular, um, My Heart's in the Highlands. It's just um, a soprano singing with these really sustained notes, and then a uh, organ and I actually stole the bass line from the organ, so it's just kind of, uh, <laughs> uh, it's in minor, so let's say A minor, so it just uh, plays A and then B, A, G, A, B, C, B, A, G, F, G, A, B, C, D, C, B, A, A and then B, A, G, A, B, C, B, A, G, F, G, A, B, C, D, C, B, A. So it walks up and down, back and forth, uh, and expands and gets larger and larger, and then, um, on its way back down, does smaller scales up, smaller scales down. Uh, so I stole that and instead just did scales up and scales down back to A instead of going across A down the scale. So just going up and down the scale, increasing the scale each time. So eventually you get the scale all the way up from A to A and back down, and then it shrinks. Uh, so that was the bell curve, just a very literal bell curve. So I stole that. So that was uh, stolen <laughs> from Arvo Pert, uh as the basis and then uh, doing different things on top of it. So I think in that one I also, uh, each time the scale started over or at certain points in the piece, I don't remember, I would add sharps. So it started just in A minor and then the piano would stay in A, a minor the whole time. And that was some of the dissonances is that uh, the flute part or the clarinet part would pick up a C-sharp, and then next pick up a... We'll start with F-sharp, C-sharp, and then G-sharp, uh, and then back down. So picking up sharps and increasing the distance as you got towards the middle, and then back down to just a straight A natural minor. score for last year's film Scarfest was really good too oh thank you I appreciate uh, it. my friend on did the video uh she's she runs minkino and yeah oops. tell us a little bit about that process sure sure so uh so with on she was uh she had ideas that she wanted to work through uh stories of her family's immigration from vietnam and uh, what An ended up going forward with was uh, recording her mother's stories, some of her mother's stories of uh, immigrating to America and 
finding jobs here and working here. Every time she saw me in the hallway, she said, what, why, why are you guys here? We don't want your people here. Your people come over here to take my land and took my job away. When I first started writing the music for it, I couldn't really figure out the right tone for a while because there were some stories that were more uh, just kind of funny stories, and then there were these other stories that were more deeply tragic, and it was just kind of a difficult tone to kind of strike. So I gave on a few options, and one was just... Uh, an improvisation on a uh, piano. The orchestration of that was a lot of fun, actually, trying to figure out, because it's just these uh, plained chords, just uh, root fifth third, I think almost the entire time. Just real effective and simple. Thank you. Someone I ran into said that they heard it on NPR, and that was the reason they came to the Film Score Fest. Yeah, that's so. excellent. That's, <laughs> that's really cool. Thanks for thanks for sending it to NPR for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, Mandy, I I want to talk about your uh, Autumn String submission. Oh yeah, I had Herbst? fun doing that. Yeah. Or how do you say? <laughs> I think so. It's yeah. Just uh, autumn in German. <laughs> <laughs> that one I re-listened to, and I really like the parallel movement that you have. Ah. A lot of, like, parallel fourths, it seems like. And I think that was another one that the MIDI version oh, yeah. was like, <laughs> ah, I don't know about this. But then when <laughs> you hear it with trills, the... I'm sure that sounded especially Yeah, that's, silly. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> But then hearing it with the Lux String Quartet was just awesome. doing that i think the parallel fourths kind of thing came from just kind of messing around on guitar and then i found some chords that i liked and then after that it was kind of just like well i should kind of put some other things in there to make it have some kind of arc or something like that
guys went to college together uh, at Grinnell. Mm-hmm. Right? Did you both study composition or what? So we were both you... in the music major and there's only like 10 or so majors at a time. So it's not, uh, <laughs> there's not <laughs> enough people to really have those specific like things. You don't yeah. have any focus. You just kind of put together whatever classes you feel like. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I ended up focusing on composition more and taking more of those independent studies in composition. Uh, but Mandy? I did more focus on jazz performance, and then I did a little jazz composition, too, at the end. Yeah, I listened to those. Those were really good. Too. Oh, thanks. Uh, my Melodica. Oh, but, yeah, that um, was fun. <laughs> that one has such a nice melody and like comforting chord progression. <laughs> I don't know. being able to do that too that was something my professor had encouraged me to do and he had just done an album with string quartet with jazz he's a saxophone player uh damani phillips and um i enjoyed making that and that one also too came from just kind of i guess mostly what i do when i try to write music is just kind of play things for a while until like something pops up that seems like it's worth saving do you mostly start out on guitar I think so. Yeah, usually when I am writing music, um, just because there's more. I play guitar and violin, and then guitar, just I can do more things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chords. <laughs> vocal pieces have been really cool to oh, hear too just uh heard that pollen right yeah pollen at, at the uh yep yeah um with the magpies and ravens uh their lineage program which is really an excellent opportunity that was a lot of fun yeah what is that program all about so it's just uh, a kind of idea of being able to pass on knowledge from established choral composers in the area of which there are many in this uh, in the Twin Cities. So that's uh, a great resource to take advantage of. So Magpies and Ravens is a uh, choir of eight professional singers and eight high school students. So it already has education as one of its, like, as its mission statement. So its lineage program uh, connected for professional composers along with four student composers. And what was cool about this program in particular is that the four professional composers were also commissioned for this concert. So we were able to see side-by-side uh, side the professional commissions along with our student pieces. 
And then also the professional composers uh, each chose an inspiration. So you can kind of see the lineage from the professional composers, uh, inspirational composers. So Linda Kackelmeyer chose uh, Hildegard von Bingen. So you'd see, you'd hear uh, Hildegard's piece and then Linda's and then mine and kind of see how things change uh, through the ages, I suppose. Yeah. It was really, really neat. And I liked that one. The um, Hildegard piece is just uh, a solo, uh, just one melody. Uh, and then that leads into my piece, which starts with just one melody for uh, about eight bars. So it's kind of nice. It was a nice lead in. I was interested in setting text by a living poet, and uh, this poem caught my eye by Sandra Marchetti, a Chicago poet. So I, I emailed her, and just the same day she was like, oh yeah, absolutely. That's... So I, I had this kind of block built up in my mind that I wouldn't be able to get permissions from living poets, so I had only really set text uh, pre-1923, published in the U.S., just really <laughs> extremely public domain, very mm-hmm. clearly in the public domain. <laughs> but yeah, this helped me break down my kind of self-block about setting living poets so that was a cool experience that it was just so easy to reach out to people and have them be excited that you're working with them and then uh, foster future collaborations for that kind of thing but then actually writing the music setting the text just uh, reading through the poem a few times uh, memorizing it is something my teachers have always stressed is just memorizing the text before you start writing it to really let the text tell you what what should happen so you're not kind of foisting your your musical ideas upon the text, but the text is feeding you the musical ideas. In this piece, I was kind of lazy. I just had the uh, so the opening melody is just in canon, and that's the A section, and uh, and then there's a B section of some different stuff. And then the the last part is just the A section again with like minor adjustments, and they're humming, just kind of a Mm. Cap out in some sense. That was <laughs> uh, a cool sound. Cool. I, I yeah, so it. so it did. Yeah, thank you. It did work. It was perhaps a lazier piece of mind that I've written, but it's you can only be lazy when it works to be lazy. You can't be lazy if it's gonna make it a worse composition. But sometimes you get lucky, and the best route <laughs> is the easiest route. <laughs> And it worked yeah. for this time, I think. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was one of the easiest pieces to write that I've done. And I was also uh, tried to make it simpler uh, since this was for a choir that had high school students in it. Even though they're the professional students, I didn't want to have the high school students feel out of their depth. Uh, so trying to keep it in one with one with without many accidentals. So changing uh, key center, but without changing accidentals. So let's say it starts in G. And then uh, it would move to C Lydian, so it keeps that F sharp. I'll have to re-listen to that because yeah. I, yeah, I'm not. I sure do like modal I... composing, um, but how do you make it seem like it's not in just like the regular key? And act, is it just like by repetition of the whatever the new key center is, like right? In, that in bass this, note or something. In this instance. Yeah, so bass notes have a lot to do with it. And I think in this instance, in the opening section, let's see. I don't remember if the opening section is more in G major or D 
Mixolydian, but let's say it's in D Mixolydian, then I didn't use the seventh scale degree at all. So I didn't use the uh, C either uh, C natural or C sharp. So you don't really have a sense of if it's in D major or D Mixolydian. Uh, and then at a certain point, it is a bass note. A bass note C natural comes in and you feel like you're kind of in a new world and that's the switch from the A section to the B section. So just kind of holding on to that note and the ear, depending on how people are listening to it, it might suggest that it's either in D major or D mixolydian. And then when you get that C natural, then you know, oh, we're, this is what was kind of going on the whole time. And it kind of reframes that opening section as well, that in that key, it was really C natural the whole time, even though you never get a C note, whether it's natural or sharp. So yeah, bass notes and then withholding notes uh, to be secret <laughs> different notes later, I guess. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So the two of you uh, were doing some, a lot of like improvising and looping sort yeah. of music together mm -hmm. under the name Snack Attack. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Temporary name. I think another band actually has that name, so we can't, oh. I can't be around. Sound that. That's, SoundCloud and we're yeah. like, ah, shucks. That's, uh, <laughs> I, to be snack attack. I don't know if the other band is still active. Maybe we can <laughs> ask them for the name, but yeah, but we're, uh, that's how we internally <laughs> refer to ourselves. <laughs> snack Attack. S-N-A-K. A-T-A-K. It's edgy. That is edgy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So in Snack Attack, mm -hmm. do you do mostly improvising from scratch, or how does that work? I feel like some of the time it is from scratch, and then maybe later, after recording something, to go back and try to do it again, finding the parts that we liked. But I feel like also, Mikey, sometimes it, you've maybe started with some kind of a bass line or something that you had in mind, and then we kind of build on top of it. Yeah, I'm pretty uncomfortable improvising, so I just I usually try to figure out something easy <laughs> to do and then let Mandy make it interesting improvising. <laughs> usually violin on top is what we've done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Looping is an easy way for me to improvise, just uh, I can build up a line just through one note at a time so I don't have to have the facility on bass to really play a, an interesting line. But if I can play one note of an interesting line at a time and each time through the loop add one more interesting note, then it can <laughs> create something that is interesting at the end. We had been dating since second year of college, but didn't really play anything together until about two years out of college when we were both at an artist residency in Grinnell. So there's Grinnell College in Grinnell, Iowa, and then two miles north of that, uh, which is in the middle of cornfields when you <laughs> go two miles away from Grinnell, is uh, an artist residency, Grin City Collective. We had studios in an old uh, refurbished corn crib. And we had a residency there at the same time, so we took it as an opportunity to 
finally start collaborating together in a real, in a real way instead yeah. of just <laughs> kind of like we both play music but totally separately. So it was cool to have that space and that impetus to start really working together. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it, it was just mostly like, hey, we have a loop pedal. Let's try to see what we can do with this and with both of us playing together. Mm-hmm. There's one called Hornworm. Hornworm. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of just, it was a good example of just kind of like messing with the loop pedal. Um, but we just kind of took things like rubber band and like flicked the rubber band near the microphone and then like made some other noises. It was kind of just neat to hear that build up on a loop. It started to sound like kind of a weird rhythm or something. Yeah, you get these kinds of, like a rhythm that you wouldn't, ever play on your yeah. own but as a, as an aggregate of all these weird like mouth pop and rubber band sounds it would be something interesting so actually I, one of our friends who's more into visual art that's his favorite thing that we've done together that particular song just because it's like weird so if yeah. you, so that's uh, one of our weird things yeah. yeah and then there's also the song called weird things song called there weird is. things yeah. uh, <laughs> singing some yeah. thing mm-hmm. was that uh did you write that out beforehand no. or just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the spot yeah this is a song about taking everything home. i've never like tried to really tried to write words so anytime i've done that it's just kind of make up words and that's kind of a thing that i like about improvisation i think and one of the things that makes composition more challenging to get into is just when you improvise, then you know that it's just, oh, I'm just doing this right now, and that's whatever happens, that's what happens, and that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was kind of fun to do that for singing with words, too. This is a song about taking everything Like this, oh, like uh, some, some things don't work. There's like, noise, yeah, there's like these vowel yeah. caps scraping together. So like sometimes it once it's deep in the loop for the loop pedal we had, like you can't get it out. So it's yeah. just like oh, it's in there. It's in there. Yeah, uh, but we're looking to invest in a better loop pedal where you can have more separate loops at a time. So if something oh. doesn't work, you can take it out of the texture. <laughs> yeah, but there is kind of s- some charm to the um, like 
noisy background <laughs> yeah. stuff in your recordings, which uh, yeah, there's yeah. like a, a fan in that yeah. one. I think like just a basement fan turning <laughs> on like and off. Some coughing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like talking to each other about yeah. it while it's being recorded. Yeah, I think there was something I was yep. like, now I'm going to press the loop button again or something like that. Just quietly, you can hear. In one of your improv things, like 60-40, how many loops are actually going on in something like that, do you think? I think that one maybe had three or four or something. kind of like trying to focus on making the feeling of what the time is a little different with the two <laughs> different tracks. What, what does the title 6040 mean? <laughs> um, I don't remember. I, <laughs> did you? I named wait. it that. Oh, I don't yeah. remember why though. I think it was uh, something about like it was it's in like three or something. Yeah, so maybe something it was like, like oh, that. it's in six. Might as well be in six, yeah, four. And something then like that. there's a, so if people have heard of Fago, it's a drink, uh, like a <laughs> brand of drink from Detroit. <laughs> I had no idea that uh, Fago oh, was I didn't in know that. Which, uh, Detroit. I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's f- famous because of the insane clown posse and the juggalos love Fago uh, <laughs> because the insane clown posse is from Detroit. But, um, but there's uh, one of their drinks that's like a squirt version is 60, 40. And I don't remember why, but that's the name of it. Oh, uh, cool. So that's huh. the answer. Is that the and stuff that a, has, like, twice the caffeine of Mountain Dew or something? Like yeah, that. Moon Mist might be the one you're thinking of. That's what the moon, yeah, Moon Mist is the Mountain Dew version. Uh, the Mountain Dew Fago version. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen Fago around here. Yeah, recently. it's pretty regional, but it's uh, super cheap. Like, half as much as a regular <laughs> soda. Do you say soda here? I don't remember. Uh, People say here pop. say pop. Pop. Okay, yeah, we do. We say pop in Michigan too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. It is kind of fun with loops to just build up to a point where there's so much that it's just noisy. Like I feel like we kind of did that in a couple of ours. It was a yeah a way can... to make a structure. Like <laughs> now it's just so much stuff, and then. I don't know. Yeah, it becomes a kind of structural necessity when you use... I think we were using like an RC, yeah. RC30 boss looper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all you could really do with it is either start or stop the loop, or yeah, overdub on that loop. And then once you're done overdubbing, you can remove all but the bottom layer of the loop. Mm-hmm. So it kind of necessitated that kind of structure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's why we're hoping to branch out into a new loop pedal to still be able to do those kinds of things, but in a more interesting and complicated way. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's how my improv sessions yeah. turned out too. It's like boop, boop, boop. one giant crescendo, and then yeah. yep, we're done. It's a fun yeah. structure, but if that's the structure of every song in a set, yeah, it's then a it's little, a little, little people too much. might start to notice. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> hey, I got this figured out. What's it like being a composer couple <laughs> and musician jam session couple? Well, one thing is that it's it's uh, it's helpful to have someone to bounce ideas off of. So, I mean, you could do that in any couple, but to have someone who has this, a similar knowledge set. Like, so if I'm writing something, I'll usually run it by Mandy uh, too many times, and then <laughs> she'll have 
input and like that will it just helps with writer's block and things to have someone to bounce things off of which you can do with any music friends mm-hmm. but if someone is just like next to you anyway it's like hey come look at <laughs> yeah. this and so yeah that's uh that's one helpful thing and then just also knowing about similar opportunities in the area so mandy will hear of uh some open jam or some performer and we'll go check mm-hmm. them out and just having someone to move <laughs> to yeah to figure out new music opportunities with yeah has been helpful i think yeah and we kind of have different focuses so that helps us to both get more opportunities of things to go check out yeah so i wouldn't like i wouldn't check out nearly as much uh jazz improv things mm-hmm. if i wasn't dating someone who was <laughs> a jazz improviser <laughs> And I so, might not go to as many of the contemporary classical kind of yeah. things. Um, I think also another thing is just um, it's nice that we're both kind of like pursuing musical things mm-hmm. because it's a similar kind of lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. Um, kind so of it's... just both being like, oh, not sure, like just having other jobs and just trying to kind of find what's going to happen next. Um, yeah, it's not like one mm-hmm. of us has like this great like high salary yeah. position at like target or something yeah. and then like the other one's just like what are you doing you bum wake up like go to work yeah yeah and yeah. so we're both uh we're both bums and no one no one needs to look down on the other person yeah so yeah. we're uh yeah similar level yeah <laughs> of employment yeah no uh no judgment so yeah. that's uh that's helpful yep. and yes encouragement like yeah we're doing this like keep looking for opportunities keep doing Make sure you practice. Make sure you work on Yeah, yeah. So if uh, holding each other accountable, that's definitely helpful. And then having someone, like any time we would ever want to jam or anything, you don't have to schedule it ahead of time. You just kind of, hey, you want to go do it? Yeah, okay, let's go jam. But instead we just watch Netflix. So maybe it would be helpful to have someone that you need to schedule those things with. Uh, (laughs) But the opportunity is there to be jamming (laughs) all the time. So you're not afraid to tell each other if you don't like... um, a composition or like a, something like that. Yeah, I feel like I've had a couple <laughs> times where I was like, eh, about yeah, something. Which is helpful. Then, so it's helpful yeah. to have someone that you trust to be able to tell you that something is not great. Uh, but then I feel like that's easier to take when we are, like if she's talking about a composition I've written or something that she's working on, but when it's something we're collaborating on together, that can be kind of hard yeah, to that is figure out hard. how to move forward in real time with uh so like if we're improvising over something and uh we have different ideas of where it should go and we talk about it it can be harder i think than if we were commenting on each other's individual work Mm -hmm. if we're commenting on something that we're working towards together we know that if it's an individual work then like the person who is writing it is in charge of it and they get your input and then think about it and then make the decision yeah but then yeah working together it is a lot yeah, to make those collaborative decisions can be uh, difficult. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because you're both equally invested in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it helps to have someone you trust. But even yeah. then, yeah, it's hard to collaborate. So what what do you think is a solution for like people who are improvising together, even just like anyone in a band? Yeah. Or like how how do you get past that idea that? No, my way is the best way. Yeah. Yeah. We've had times where we had to each explain why we thought one way was what we wanted. 
and that kind of helped thinking about it. And then other times it is good to just take a break and then come back to it later. Yeah. Yeah. So getting out of the moment of it and uh, Mm -hmm. reflecting on it individually, because when you are in that collaborative space, it can be hard to move forward. So sometimes you need to go back into the individual space to really figure things out. Maybe one other thing would just be to have on a particular song and, and someone who is in charge, like this song is your song and you get to make the decisions on it. And this song is your song and you get Mm -hmm. to make the decisions on it. So you can both have input, but to have someone say, this is the way that we're doing it. And then we move forward. Yeah. Well, Mandy, I wanted to ask you about windowsill, Mm -hmm. your piece. Um, that's a really fun piece. Uh, as a violinist especially <laughs> like hearing the pizzicato parts what was your composing process for that one um that one it was just kind of uh me and garage band i think i had just recently gotten my uh macbook at that point and i was kind of excited or something like that um maybe kind of similar to like later what we would do with loop pedal things just kind of like start with something and it would just be this really tiny pizzicato loop and then loop it and then make something else on top of it and then see if i liked that or not just kind of like doing something and then hearing it and then trying other things next pretty much improvisation mindset yeah which is pretty much i think how i do it anytime i'm trying to write music is just improvisation that's why i think it's cool like when we were talking about uh what you were doing for the bell curve and Mm. pollen and things that's something structure i guess i mean your windowsill still has structure so i guess it's just like you get through, like you don't know how it's gonna end. Yeah. At first. Yeah. I had a teacher who would talk about different ways of composing, and for this person, it was a dichotomy between a gardener and an architect. So the gardener would just plant a seed and water it, and and help it grow and see where it kind of wanted to go, and then guide it as needed. And then the architect is clearly someone who's there's a lot more structure there. And then sometimes people would think of that architect instead as like a someone chiseling out of marble so you have all of the material there and you just kind of write it all down and then you have to whittle it down to like mm. actually good ideas hmm. but yeah so which method are you mikey <laughs> i think it depends on the piece and the the way of doing it so like we were talking about bell curve that's more uh planned out to kind of have that predetermined form and i think a lot of times it helps me to write uh like art music or music for a school assignment or for an application or something like that to start from that kind of concept. So even if, <laughs> even if the music is bad, I have some, something to fall back on and say like, oh, this is, this is the elaborate concept <laughs> I was working from. So I have uh, <laughs> something to fall back on to feel like I was doing something like art. But if I'm just writing more for fun, messing around on a piano or, or bass or viola or anything, um, then it would usually be the more gardening kind of growing. You just start with, oh, that sounds good, and then you move forward uh, without any thought for what's going to come next. 
until you get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does help a lot to have some starting point. I think that's part of why I gravitate towards choral music is you get to start with the text. So you can do that with instrumental music, just have some kind of inspiration. Uh, but with choral composition, a lot of times the form and the mood and a lot of these other things are set for you once you find a text. So the finding the text part is can be pretty difficult, but then once th- once that's done, a lot of your compositional framework has already been set for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that's interesting, thinking of the, like, sculptor method versus... Yeah. Gardner yeah. versus... And sometimes it can I, be super clear what kind of composer someone is. Like, oh, you are absolutely... <laughs> like someone who is just so meticulously constructed, and then certain genres of music demand one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always use the metaphor of painting, like oh. at least when I'm doing like electronic ambient sort of stuff. Mm. It's like painting on layers. And oh yeah. Even though I never paint actually in real life, but you got an idea. I've seen I've seen painting before. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yeah, Mandy, what's your metaphor for what your, <laughs> your style? <laughs> I guess I I like that gardener thing because mm-hmm. I would say I would it would it's pretty. Gardenerish. <laughs> as long as we're on a metaphor kick, uh, mm-hmm. I I like when people bring up the metaphor of cooking for composition. That a lot of novice cooks and a lot of novice composers would just start with all the ingredients they have, all the spices they have. Like, oh, I love I love all these ingredients. I'll put them all together. Oh, I love all these spices. Uh, instead of having a kind of uh, <laughs> a direction to it, so you might mm-hmm. mix like. Spices you'd put on some, like, stir-fry with, like, <laughs> spices you'd put in the chili. And just, like, oh, I love all these things, but together they won't work. <laughs> too much. And then, like, a novice yeah. composer who has, like, a new idea every bar or something like that without realizing that you need to just stick to one thing or, like, two things or three things, but uh, not to <laughs> not to put everything that you have in the pot all at once. Hmm. It's mm-hmm. another metaphor I enjoy. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I think you just helped me improve my cooking, too. <laughs> yeah. <there you> <laughs> <laughs> don't put it all in uh yeah but it's fun to experiment yeah, too, oh, with uh yeah food <laughs> and composing oh, yeah. <laughs> oh mikey i was listening to you mini boss oh yeah your video game sure. track yep you should do more video game composing okay. that's yeah, good <laughs> remember how the kind of rhythms fit together in that one it's kind of like jarring almost sometimes that they don't really fit together the way you would expect and that was written in uh an earlier notation software that i had used before i moved to sibelius it was written in anvil studio so it's a free thing if you're looking for a free notation software get musescore but this was (laughs) before musescore existed i think Uh, and it was what i had started writing on in high school and the thing with Anvil Studio is that you only see one line at a time, so you'd kind of have an idea of what the other line is, uh, and you'd have to switch instruments. And I enjoyed that process a lot, just kind of, you don't know exactly how things are going to line up, because you can't look at it all at once, and you have to kind of remember. I think that's why that turned out that way, because I couldn't see all the parts at once. (laughs) 
and then yeah throwing chiptune sounds on anything can can be fun <laughs> yeah but you can yeah. throw chiptune sounds on a piece of garbage and yeah oh there it is it's a video game sounds, music now. yeah no, it sounds good no. but yeah. um i enjoyed doing the game jam composer quest in october oh yeah uh, that was a lot of fun working with that team we were all in different time zones in different countries so i hadn't really seen any of the game just because we were kind of putting it together all in these different parts and it i don't know if it really came together until like the right up until the deadline and even the ideas for the game i was working off of either it was like a spooky temple or like <laughs> a school or like a, a library or in like what is the game even it's puzzle something <laughs> um so just kind of something spooky-ish was what i was working from There were a lot of keyboard instruments. There's like organ, marimba, I think there's like celeste at some point, but mostly keyboard instruments because that's what sounds less terrible on GarageBand <laughs> is part of why I went in that direction. Just because you don't have to worry about like the weird attacks you always get with strings and winds. piece look mm. was interesting interesting hearing the violin sounds mm. being manipulated in kind of like a harsh electronic way fun to work on. I did that in an electronic music class. I guess I called it look because I don't know, maybe I was like imagining oh no, it was because I used the program Spear, where you can get all the different frequencies like laid out of a sound clip, and then you can actually like move them around and like take some out and so I mm. kind of felt like I was looking at the sound of a violin mm. like when you look in Spear then you see some of the like the main overtones um, or the main frequencies that are making up the tone, you can see them bold. And then in between, there's like all these fuzzier mm. little lines. So I took out all the fuzzy lines. So it was, it kind of ended up sounding, yeah, like maybe more what it would be if you were trying to put together a sample of a violin mm. or not a sample, put together like a electronic version yeah, of like that. Build a violin out of sine waves. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then it's really fun because you can also just draw lines in Spear too. So I like drew some <laughs> funny shapes and I was like, now I'm going to make the funny shapes gradually turn into violin sound and like things <laughs> like that. So cool. How much is that program? It's free actually. Yeah. yeah I would recommend Sweet. checking it out. It's really fun. You can just like talk in it or just whatever, any recording. Yeah. And it's really neat to be able to do that. And one thing that's also really cool is you can, um, you can do a pitch shift. Mm. So then it's like just regular like makes the whole sound higher 
And as you get higher up in frequency, like it will condense the distance between the frequencies um, so that it still sounds the same. But you can also just shift it all without changing the distance between them. And then that really gets like funny robot mm. sounds. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Know, um, it's like a it's... overtones in a different, in like an alien world or something. Yeah, like they don't line up in the same way because right. the ratios between them are different. I would recommend Spear. Yeah, yeah. School yeah. just as an analytical tool to see yeah. what's going on because it's a little more, a little more in depth than just like a standard spectrogram. I'd say just like you get to see each individual little line and the strength of it, and it's it tells you exactly where the frequency is. Cool. Well, Mandy, I also liked your song, Aaron's song. Just a fun trivia for Composer Quest listeners. The kind of the theme, the Composer Quest theme is around the hero chords. I don't know ah. if you, but yeah, I noticed that's in Aaron's song, like flat six, flat seven, oh, yeah. one. Hero chords. Oh yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. 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 Right? Like oh, Mario. That does sound kind of heroic. Mario yeah. Cadence. Is that the? Yeah, something like yeah. that. <laughs> That's fun. That's a good bit of trivia. I like that. Hero <laughs> chords. <laughs> yep. I think I was inspired by Pat Metheny's The Awakening. Hmm. I listened to that a lot, and I thought it sounded kind of cool and maybe, well, I was going to say sort of Irish vaguely, but I feel bad <laughs> saying that because it's not like, I don't know. I'd recommend checking out that piece. When it the was, Awakening. Well, your mom's name, and my your mom's mom's name, name is Erin, <laughs> and she's Irish, yeah, so that's and the it's, connection. Erin uh, means Ireland, too. Oh, and right. so then I was like, yeah, this song sounds a little bit Irish. I'll call it that. And, <laughs> and so I feel like that's kind of like actually <laughs> maybe kind of offensive to just be like, eh, it sounds like... No, um, anyway, uh, and it was Mother's Day when I had my concert, so that's why I, oh, I did nice. that. <laughs> so it was fun. Yeah. Did she um, appreciate that? Yeah, piece. I think she did. <laughs> That's good to know, though. Hero. I can say now that it's because she's my hero, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How much of the music theory is going through your head when you're improvising? Or is it um, just background? I feel like a lot of times maybe it is pretty much in the background. And I guess what I've tried to do to improve as an improviser and writing music is, well, I feel like what I do best is just like having a sort of natural ear and I don't feel as much like I do well when I'm trying to consciously use kind of theory. So then I've just thought I should just try to learn about it and then like just really try to listen to as much different music as I can and like maybe try to copy it and just to get it in there. And then once it's in there, I'm hoping that it'll just kind of tumble around and then uh, come out. <laughs> so I guess I think I should give myself more credit that if I wanted to, I could focus on the theory more. Yeah. But so far, I've just been going with like, well, I'll just try to absorb stuff and then something will 
just happened without me really thinking about it. Yeah, it's in there um, somewhere. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. usually the approach, I guess. I feel like I want to go back yeah. and study theory again, too. Just to yeah. like get out of my old habits of, like, this is a chord progression that I should use or something yeah. like that. That's definitely one way it can be really helpful is just to break out of your rut if you just you think about it more cerebrally. Uh, Rather than like, oh, this is what it sounds good, because if you just go with what sounds good, it will just always be whatever sounds good to you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. it might just be the same and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I worry about, too, with going with what sounds good is, um, I don't know if this happens to you guys ever, but I'll be like, oh, this sounds really good. And then later I'll be like, what if it sounds good? Because it's a song that I just heard the other day that I loved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that, yeah. I always worry that I'm secretly copying someone anytime I do mm-hmm. think of anything. As long yeah. as it's not too much of yeah, as long as you there's like some on. some kind of percentage of how much is okay to copy someone. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah. You can use chord progressions. Right? Yeah, that's true. Non-copyrightable. Yeah, that's what that's I did true. for my other jazz yeah. contrafact. <laughs> yeah, contrafact. Yeah, tenderloin. <laughs> was oh. tenderly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, contrafact <laughs> is just uh, when a running like a jazz chart with a existing progression. Chord so, progression. did you use what did you use? Tenderly. Oh, yeah, Um, okay. The chords, and then just made it faster. Professor talked about the Flintstones chords it's people like, I used got a lot, and oh yeah, I got rhythm. Everyone used yeah. yeah, and it's just it's a good way to start lots of songs, I guess. Huh. Yeah. Just start with a chord progression already, and yeah, yeah. So <laughs> any anyone who wants to write a jazz chart, that's an easy way to start. Yeah, <laughs> contrafact. Find huh. a song you Find like a, yeah. and make a contrafact. And... You just write the melody over. Yeah, it. <laughs> cool. That go. is the word of the day. Contrafact. Now. Contrafact. <laughs> cool. Yeah. As you probably know that I have the tradition of asking a question from the previous guest. And so my my last guest, Jenny Hanke, asked, and I didn't realize that I was going to have a couple on when she <laughs> asked this, but it's pretty, kind of interesting. Um, if you could have a soundtrack for your dating life, <laughs> what would it be? Huh. You guys don't have a so- a song. I a think song. well, zero seven. Oh yeah, uh, just that's the band true. zero seven is uh, something that we listen to together a lot when we uh, first started going out. So mm-hmm. I, I guess that would be it. Just like uh, three of their albums: Simple Things, The Garden, and then I forget the last one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's yeah, that's good. That's a good answer. Zero seven, I think, just as a band. If you haven't heard of them, check them out for sure. Super good. Kind of like mm-hmm. ambient style yeah it's like yeah, house chilling. something chill i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know house. those genres Didn't you say but... it's like made by just a bunch of good producers who are just like we're making this yeah it's like these two amazing producers and then they yeah. um they perform and have a bunch of like i guess guest mm-hmm. singers so like they had sia sing on a, a lot of their tracks cool all right so 
Now, a question for the next guest. Oh, sure. Uh, you had mentioned. Yeah, I was thinking idea. of if you could write for any instrumentation and have it be performed, uh, what would that instrumentation be? Hmm. I don't know if that's actually a good question, but. I like it. Yeah. Like, would you write for a tubex giant saxophone? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or like, that's kind of the first thing that popped into like my head weird, when you said weird if you could write for anything, then like, oh, anything. Yeah. Wow. A tubex? <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's a thing. A... <laughs> I think they have to like stand on a really tall thing and then yeah to be able to reach the keys and then it goes on the ground and then it's just huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's like some... Like the sub-contra something yeah. <laughs> saxophone. Oh, yeah. It's like just the gigantic saxophone. So if you could have it performed by that, would you <laughs> Would you write for that? I don't know. Because a lot of times there's just the limitations of we write for what's available to us mm-hmm. or what's popular. Like writing for choral music is mm-hmm. uh, a good thing to do just because there's so many choirs around who want to perform new, new music. And uh, band music is the same way mm-hmm. it seems like is that there's just so many community bands and high school bands and things like that who are interested in new music. And if you write something for full orchestra, you're just not as likely to have it performed. Yeah, that's hard. Uh, So there's those considerations. So yeah, if you, if those restrictions weren't there, what would you do? Hmm. I feel like I would say a thousand of something. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Or like 10,000 guitars. Yeah. No, that's uh, (laughs) A blue whale. Yeah, like an animal. Like, <laughs> I, <don't know>. <laughs> I just a said blue it, a whale. blue whale. Yeah, like, oh, if, if whales can learn music, you could write music for whales. Yeah. That's a, yeah, a new... De- new <laughs> I'm giving away all the potential A new angle to that question. <laughs> or like yeah. a bunch of mm-hmm. rockets <laughs> <laughs> going off at different Helicopters, times. Helicopters, like Helicopters. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. All right, well, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So... Are the two of you ready to come up with a theme song? Oh yeah, sure. Oh. Um, when, yeah, we can talk about when you need it by. But I'm oh, I'm heading right. out next week, I so about that. That's mm. if you need it soon, uh, we can hammer one out tomorrow morning, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we can start today working on it. Yeah, we'll have time. We've got some time. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. Nice. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. I guess uh, any closing thoughts of com- composing advice. Um, yeah, people always just say, like, keep writing, keep doing it. But it's true. Just keep keep writing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, or, like, thing. for me, I would say, like, do it <laughs> rather than keep... If you haven't yeah. done it in a while, just start doing it. Like Write for your friends. Um, uh, if you're in school, write yeah. for ensembles that would perform things. Like at um, Grinnell, the choir was always really supportive of performing music. And if you're in school, just find other students that will perform your things uh, for free. Most of the time, if you have friends who play music. That is a really useful thing them. about being in school. Uh, mm-hmm. You just have so many resources when you're still in school. And it's you can still do it when you're outside of school, but you just don't have those freely available performance spaces. That's a big thing. Uh, and, like, the school will, will record it for you. And practice spaces, like, everyone's... If you live on campus, everyone is right next to the practice spaces. Mm-hmm. They can just meet you whenever they have time. And it's That's a really nice. super good resource. Also, if you're in school, this is another thing. Uh, I've done some summer workshops, which have been really beneficial. And if you're in school, sometimes some schools will have a fund. Like they'll be able to either fully fund or partially fund your summer summer workshops, summer trips. So if you have that resource, take advantage of it while you're still in school. Because those things cost money, but they're super, super good experiences, I would say. Cool. 
Mm-hmm. Well, thanks. Yeah. To both of you for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Composer Quest with Mikey Mayorana and Mandy Fassett. For links to their music, visit composerquest.com slash Mikey Mandy. I'll leave you now with another demo track from Mikey. After our talk, he was describing how he transcribed his improv piano recording so the orchestra could play it in our film score fest. He realized it would be easiest if it was converted to 4-4 time, so he took his demo and started chopping here and there and lined it up with a steady beat. He also set it to a garage band drum loop so he wouldn't have to listen to an annoying click while working. Here's Mikey's demo for Home. Thank you.